Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today. And today we're joined by Nathan Carr. Nathan, how are you doing today? Very well. Uh, Nathan, <laughs> it's good to have you today. And uh, Pastor Margaret and I just normally start out with a lighthearted question. Uh, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Butter pecan. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, butter pecan. Always has been. Yeah, so <laughs> where would you choose to get your butter pecan ice cream? White's back in Tennessee. Ah, well, hey, I've yeah. had ice cream there. Yeah. It's decent. I haven't had butter pecan. It's been a long time, but yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Does that go back? Do you have any memories that are like uh, that come up for you when you think about butter pecan ice cream at White's? Uh, it just reminds me of back home, I guess. Yeah. Growing up, you know, that was a little store near our house, and they had everything. It was like a miniature Walmart almost, kind of. Uh-huh. And they just yeah, we'd go in there, and anytime I got ice cream, it was from there or yeah. Dairy Queen. You know. Yeah, very good. Yeah, well, I've recently. Found another ice cream that I really like. Surprise. Yeah, I'm always on the search. It's butterbeer. Have you ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. I think it has so much butter in it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know how it's made, but let me tell you. There's no beer involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't do anything to it. <laughs> no, I was good. It has so much butter in it that I think the spoon tends to have butter on it because it's when it gets, you know. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Um, I don't think you'd like it, Grayson. It looks like vanilla. But <laughs> it looks like vanilla. <laughs> it's buttery. It is very buttery. I actually went and bought a quart of it. Goodness, I probably shouldn't have done that, but it's made my evenings quite pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is great to have you back with us, um, Nathan. I'm not going to call you Nate. I'm going to call you Nathan. All right. Um, my mom will be proud. Yep. I asked him that before we started what he preferred to go by. Yeah. You know, We've, I don't care. Mom's the boss. You know, I remember someone calling me Margie Sue one time, which that's not my middle name. And I remember my mom saying, I named her Margaret, and that's what you're going to call her. And I kind of got that from your mom one day. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's okay. I understand that. Maybe Nate was connected to a you know, part of your life that she didn't like, right? Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, and so I really respect the fact that you're going by Nathan. I think that's great. So welcome back. Yeah. It's good to have you here. Glad to be back. You want to give us just a little bit of a, some people may not have heard your testimony the last time you were on, so you want to give us just a kind of a little update, snapshot of childhood, what that looked like for you? Yeah, uh, born and raised in Tennessee, typical boy childhood, Mm -hmm. trouble, mischief, chasing girls, drugs, Cars, anything you can think of along the way. Uh, and then moved up here and it worsened this scene. Led to my incarceration a couple of times and led me to Christ. Yeah. So let me go back to Tennessee for a minute. Was your granddad a pastor? In West Virginia. Okay. Tell but, us yeah. a little bit about that. Did you have much? No, he had passed before i come to earth. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, but he was a barber in the military, and whenever he got out, he opened his own barber shop and started uh, pastoring a church in Milton, West Virginia. Okay. And pretty much all over the place, uh, up at uh, the Bible College in Missouri and Kansas and stuff like that. They were in that area a lot. Okay. So you mentioned that your lifestyle led to you being incarcerated a couple times. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, it started out 
minor things, uh, drunk in public, you know, things like that. Basically, all the times I got arrested until the last time was for alcohol, you know, just foolish acts of drinking. Something as simple as a cop telling me not to step out onto the street from the sidewalk, and I did, and he immediately arrested me. Rebellious. You know, things like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> You know, so it was all little pity things, just stupid behavior. And then, you know, they wanted a drug dealer, so they come after me for that. So I can speak to my own reasons that I drank when I drank back in the day. Was there a particular, like, pain that you were trying to drown? I can look at my life and see Mm -hmm. that. Was there something that caused you to go down that road? I think at first it was just to fit in, Mm. Uh, you know, the People that I grew up with my whole life, we were always together. If one of them drank, everybody drank. If one of them smoked, everybody smoked. Mm. You know, we were all following each other's footsteps. Nobody was really a leader. We were all followers. Mm. And, uh, you know, we were following the wrong paths and stuff like that. I think as I matured and got into my recovery here at Celebrate Recovery and stuff like that and doing the inventory for the step study and stuff, it made me realize some of the issues that had probably a little trickle effect to kind of add to my drug use and stuff like that. And, you know, as time went on, I started realizing that I was masking a lot of things with the drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. broken relationship, death in the family, you know, anything that was a negative situation in my life was always covered with the drugs. It seemed right. like. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't see that. And can attest to the same thing. So you talked about going through a step study. In that process, like, we do have to take a look at our life and kind of take an inventory of our life. And in that process, you were able to, I believe is what you're saying, you were able to pinpoint some of those things and see where those things that you were doing was masking or covering pain of things that you had been through. And it's interesting when we can begin to see that behavior that just tries to fill a void, right? Um, Whether it's to fit in or to drown pain or whatever we do. And that's one of the things I love about going deeper from an open share into a step study. We found out that we have some character defects and some things Mm -hmm. that happened to us when we were even younger or, you know, at any point in our life that caused us to begin to look to something to fill those voids. Instance of maybe something that You just never give much thought to that happened that you realized when you went through a step study. Oh, my. Mm -hmm. That's what I was doing. Yeah. I would think two of the biggest issues in my life was not having my father in my life and the death of my grandmother. Mm -hmm. I think were the two major breaking points to a lot of my issues. Mm -hmm. I think not having my dad around and being raised by my mother. She did such a good job that... The loss of my dad not being there wasn't that big of an issue to me whenever I was younger. I was surrounded by other families. I seen the mother and father in the families. Mm -hmm. I seen that in my family it was just me and my mother. And I was okay with it because she did play both roles. And she did everything that she could to step up for the lack of him being around and stuff. So it didn't ever really occur to me that that was an issue until, you know, a couple of years ago. You know, he's been dead for almost two years now. I come to find out that he had died like six months after he died. I didn't even know he was dead. Mm. And during that six months, 
this was one of the hardest things to battle with since I've been clean. Mm -hmm. And normally I would have resorted to just going wild. Mm -hmm. You know, my cousin had contacted me and said that my dad had died. And for those six months prior to finding that out, I was seriously doing some soul searching and praying and uh, reaching out to God to help me figure out a way to have this relationship with my father. And I never got to have it. And it still bothers me a little bit. But, you know, whenever I was younger, I was fine with it. You know, I had other friends' dads to be father figures and, you know, my uncle and stuff like that. I had men in my life, but they weren't my real father, you know. And then I found the true father. And he's better than any of the the earthly fathers. (laughs) That's right. But, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how all that went down. You know, I didn't realize some of those things until it happened. Yeah. You know, digging into it years later and getting the help that I needed, it, it surfaced my issues. Mm-hmm. Nathan, you were talking about being a part of Celebrate Recovery and getting the help you needed. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about uh, when you finally decided to get help and what led you to that? Well, you know, my incarceration was a lot of time of sitting around and thinking about how I ruined my life. And what I would do if given the opportunity to fix it or change it or better it. And uh, so, you know, that's what I reflected on a lot while I was in there. And then, you know, just uh, members from my church reaching out to me and the penmanship that I created with people in there and, you know, things like that were my motivation. You had someone that visited you in jail on a regular basis, mm-hmm. correct? Wilmer Lehman. At that point, had Jason, was he? Wilmer had reached out to me and started coming and visiting me. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were in between pastors at our church at the time, and he was the highest up Mm -hmm. in command pretty much, you know, (laughs) to uh, be able to come see me. So uh, he started coming seeing me once a week while I was incarcerated. I remember when you started coming to Celebrate Recovery, you came in with Jason. Mm -hmm. Had he started? The I was actually one of the first people that okay. he had met with. Okay. So, uh, success story for him, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Yeah. My pastor at the time requested that I reached out to him because he had a similar story mm-hmm. and that he had changed his life. And, you know, he was working with guys in the jail and thought it'd be a good fit. Obviously, it was. Yeah. So, yeah. we've had Jason Wagner on Hope Talks actually not too long ago. And he shared his testimony. It was powerful. And he sang at the end, which was just awesome. He felt a calling. And I'll just let you share a little bit about... So he's with Virginia Mennonite Missions. Mm -hmm. If you want to share a little bit about what that looks like for Jason. Yeah. He's not here. It's not his story. But we're getting to a good point of how your all's lives came together with you in the jail. And now you all... Looks Mm -hmm. like there's partnership. But let's... I want to give people just that background of how he ended up being in the jail and yeah. make that connection. Well, I mean, he lived a similar lifestyle that I did for a long time. And, you know, he got lucky enough to never get in trouble doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't so lucky. But it was a major eye-opener for him. And I think he was surrounded by enough good people mm. to kind of draw him into what he was starting to realized was going on in his life yeah and the funny thing is we had a meeting and he was telling me about his first remembrance as a kid and 
he always feared rejection and stuff, and that's been something that he has struggled with throughout his whole life. At the time of his birth, his father wasn't around. His mother was not doing things that she needed to be doing, and he was almost aborted. And for some reason, they decided not to go through with it. But he said this remembrance has been brought to his attention many times is that God had a purpose for him. Mm-hmm. And he had a vision of that going all the way back to whenever he was an infant. And mm-hmm. he could see himself looking at his mother and stuff mm-hmm. like this. So he's had the calling right. his whole life, but had all these distractions. So once he finally got his life straightened out and started living a, a good life and following the Lord, it led him to wanting to help others get out of that dark place that he was in. And he's good at it. <laughs> you yeah. know? So Virginia Mennonite Missions has sent him to Rockingham County Jail as a missionary. Yep. It's beautiful just to see the redemption in that. And like he walked with you, and you're a part of Mount Clinton Mennonite Church. And now there's an opportunity for you to partner with him yep. in ministry. So tell us a little bit about how that's shaping up. Yeah. I know you're kind of in a process, and there's a couple different pieces, but let's talk about that first, um, just this uh, internship that has become an opportunity for you. Okay. Well, after going through all the extensive training at CR and, mm-hmm. you know, leadership and, you know, leading the step study and, you know, leading the men's addiction group and stuff like that, it sparked an interest of mine. And I see a lot of myself and a lot of guys that come in here and it just... I guess I've been blessed with being able to read people to a certain extent as far as when they truly need help and are afraid to ask for it, mm. I think, kind yeah. of deal. But uh, just it triggered me to want to give back what was given to me, you know, uh, being supportive. And There's a lot of men in jail who have no guidance. Yeah. And I think what me and Jason's trying to do together is just provide that guidance mm-hmm. for guys who are hopeless. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to come on as an intern um, under Jason and have the same opportunity to, to engage the guys at the jail and speak into their life like he spoke into yours. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Just that a door that, you know, you wasn't expecting to open. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I know that you have a real heart to minister to men, especially men that have been in addiction and uh, don't have that support system. So explain a little bit how folks can support that type of ministry. Like, how is it that you can do that and Jason can do that? So I think it's a really unique through Virginia Mennonite Missions. Mm-hmm. Like, you raise, there's funds raised that yeah. you can give to specific people on mm-hmm. their... Yeah, uh, once I was hired on with the Virginia Mennonite Missions uh, under the Transcend program, uh, which is pretty much uh, like an internship for people starting ministries and stuff like that and working with ministries and programs and stuff. They set a budget yeah, for you? Yeah, so how, it's kind of confusing. So what it is, you meet with them, they agree or disagree to hire you on for what you're choosing to do, which mine was prison ministry as well. And uh, so once you get approved, you go through a process of uh, fundraising, you know, just getting your story out there, sharing your testimony mm-hmm. to people then people can donate money on your behalf for your ministry, mm-hmm. you know, to help fund and support your work and your doings. And, uh, you know, so you, you do a fundraiser and then they come up with a budget. You know, once you meet your budget, then you get paid, yeah. you know, to do yeah. 
this type of work. Yeah. So you have to have your ministry funded. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for anybody that's listening and they know of somebody that would like to hear your testimony, uh, we'll be posting this on our website, um, cotnaz.org. And the top right-hand corner, click uh, watch, listen, and click Hope Talks. Yeah. Right, the easiest way. And uh, So you're going to be um, able to go in, visit uh, with these folks. Celebrate Recovery is now mm-hmm. an option um, yeah. to take into the jail. So yay, yay, yay. Yes. Uh, we're so excited about and that. I We've just wanted- got a guaranteed approval for uh, the Celebrate Recovery program to be uh, certified. I know I've told it to you mm-hmm. before. It's set in stone. Yeah. And they're anxious and waiting to get this going as quick as yeah. we possibly can, hopefully by the first of the year. Yeah. So that's just really exciting and something we definitely want to celebrate is getting Celebrate Recovery into um, Rockham County Jail is something that's been a prayer for a long time. Yeah. And um, just now for that to be happening, so you'll be able to go in um, and meet with the men, whether it's by video or going mm-hmm. in. Like there's uh, different ways to get engaged. And uh, we have someone that's you know going to do that with our women yeah. as well, which is really exciting. So that's a piece of what you'll be doing in this internship. But you also have the opportunity when folks are released yeah. to have like that exit interview mm-hmm. and help them kind of get engaged somewhere and connected within the community if they're from here. Mm-hmm. And I think that is just a tremendous opportunity mm-hmm. uh, because you build relationships with folks and. There's another Celebrate Recovery that's starting here um, in a few weeks. That's or the crazy. first of the year. <laughs> you know? in the first of the year um, at Cornerstone um, in Harrisonburg, we'll be offering Celebrate Recovery another night of the week. And so you'll begin to help these folks get connected at all mm-hmm. these spots, yeah. all these places. Bridging the gap. That's right. Becoming a bridge from mm-hmm. the jail to, to the church. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Man, I got cold chills it's right interesting. now. Oh it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, it, it's interesting to me because I've seen how it's done. I've lived it. I've experienced it. And to be able to steer somebody through that, you know, Jason's got an uh, open table program that he's working with. And I urge any church that's listening yes. to contact us on this. Uh, basically, it's uh, a group of people at your church who would support mentally, physically, financially, just get them grounded and get them back on their feet after they've been released. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to kind of get them started and planted in the church, hopefully. And, you know, these people could work with them and give them what they're lacking, you know, so they have something to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Versus going back to their old life, they have something new to look forward to. Yeah. And, that can sound overwhelming to someone listening to think about someone was incarcerated and now a church is going to come around them. If it's a small church, like the beautiful thing is you can partner with another church or two. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't need to be yeah. just one church. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is and I've learned this um, working with other nonprofits, I actually learned with Bridge of Hope. This idea when someone comes out and say a church engages them, you have a Sunday school class or someone that says, hey, we'd be willing to do this. What they do is they identify the folks around the table, open table, right? Mm-hmm. You identify the folks around the table and you figure out who would be good to speak into this person's spiritual life, yeah. into their finances, mm-hmm. into their housing, into their whatever it might be. Yeah. So not one person is Takes carrying a, yeah, that burden exactly. and it really begins to teach mm-hmm. that person, oh, 
I need to go to this person to talk about this. I need to go to this person. And it begins to build accountability for them, helps them to learn some boundaries of knowing who's around their table and who's going to help, who can help me with this and going to the right person. It was beautiful when I was worked with Bridge of Hope uh, and we did that. And it's still that kind of that same concept of open table. So yeah, I would really encourage anyone listening. It's not always easy, but the rewards, um, the blessing, um, it is more blessed to give than receive, right? Mm -hmm. The blessing of being able to engage someone, not to tell them how to live, how to, you know, like everyone's a driver of their own life, Right. right? Yeah. Uh, but be there as an encourager on the sidelines of this person's life. And does every situation turn out like Nathan Carr? No, no, they don't. But we have to remember that we did our part and that every person has a free will mm-hmm. and they have to do their part too. Yeah. Um, but it is a learning, growing journey that I would certainly encourage um, folks listening to consider. Yeah. And this is, a you know, this open table program or platform however you want to think of it it's been successful in other states and has been for i think it's like 40 something years now yeah that they've been doing this you know across the united states in different places and it's it's got a good track record you know i mean it it happened for me, you know, before it even started. Wilmer it started happened. your open yeah. table, didn't he? <laughs> you know, I had an open table before I even got out of jail. Well, and I think that's beautiful even to think about this idea of open table. Yeah. Isn't that what the church is called to be? Yeah. And it's an opportunity for us to be who we're called to be. And, you know, the church isn't a country club. It's a hospital. That's right. Um, and open table and celebrate recovery, they could be called the emergency room, mm-hmm. right? But. It is a group of folks that are there to help people navigate to become a part of the church and become a part of the body of Christ and to help them in any way that they can. Yeah. Accountability. Yeah. Accountability, I think, has been one of the biggest things to keep me motivated and pushing forward and being able to hear God and His will for my life and for my doings and for you know my future and stuff like that. If I wouldn't have had accountability team, I wouldn't even know what any of that means. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, it's just great to have uh, the community and the churches and stuff. You know, this church took me in just like my own church did. And uh, I think the church as a whole, we all need to focus on doing what pleases God. Mm -hmm. And I feel one of the most pleasing things to God is saving others. That's just... It comes to my mind whenever I think about what I'm doing every day of my life. Uh, hopefully, it's helping somebody or saving somebody. Seeds, yeah, you know. getting. And that's funny you say that because the topic that me and Jason are focusing on this first quarter of my internship is the seed sower. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, yeah, that's real important to get involved in that and to be able to give back is just yeah. my passion. Yeah. You know, my passion for it and stuff. Yeah. And when God has saved you so radically and so deeply, it's just hard not to give back. Yeah. Because it's out of a heart of gratitude that we sit around the table and have this conversation. We do it because we want to give glory to God for what he's done in our life, but we also want other people to be drawn to him and um, experience that for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know in the Bible it says that Jesus, he came to help the sick. Yeah. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, mm-hmm. it's the sick. And uh, we know all stories throughout the Bible where he was ministering to lost souls. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And then in turn, some of those lost souls spread the word about him to others. Yep. And you mentioned if people are interested in uh, getting involved in the ministry that you and Jason are doing with open tables that they could contact you off, what would be the best way for them to get in contact with you if they're interested in supporting that in some way? Uh, email, phone call. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm not for sure, honestly, uh, about pretty much just call Jason and he he's in touch with the rep that's backing all this. And I think Strength and Peers is working with them. So you could contact Strength and Peers as well. I think they're supporting it's Jason's email all address. Yeah, email would probably be the way to go. So the best email um, to use if you would like to get more information is jason.wagner. RJ Chaplin at gmail.com and it's J A S O N dot W A G N E R R J C H A P L A I N at gmail.com. Yeah, thanks for that. I think that's good. I, I want to go back. There's one more thing. I just, it's been kind of rolling in my brain. For you, we were talking early on, the way you dealt with some of the things in your life was you drank. Drugs were, you know, not everyone goes that route. What would you say to someone today that is having trouble with self-worth, with maybe anger that they don't know where it comes from? Maybe they've just had trouble staying in relationships and bounce from relationship to relationship. Pornography, gambling, like there's these all these things Mm -hmm. that we deal with. And I don't think one's worse than another, right? It's just, it's because God is not at the place sin is sin, right? But someone may be listening and they go, you know, I'm dealing with some of these things, but I don't know how to get beyond it. Celebrate Recovery, shameless plug, even through our step studies and like first of the year, we'll be doing Life's Healing Choices, um, which is an eight-week study on the attitudes. What would you say to someone listening that maybe is in that place and they don't know what to do and they really don't know that they want to talk to anybody about it? Yeah. Well, I mean, while you were saying that, the first thing that was coming to my head is confess it to God. Mm. Uh, ask him to take it away, you know, if it's an issue that you're struggling with or something like that. But as you kept talking, I started thinking, you know, uh, if it's somebody that's not willing to talk about it or not open to talking about it to somebody, uh, what do you do for somebody like that besides getting them to confess it to God? Mm-hmm. You know, bring it to God, and he'll fix it if you let him. Mm-hmm. If you try holding on and doing it yourself, you're going to fail. I see it all the time. I experienced it myself uh, for 26 years of my addiction. You know, I had it all under control. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, it just be supportive and try encouraging them to seek help. You know, if it's somebody that's not willing to cooperate, you know, it's really hard to work with somebody like that. But I think if you lead by example to that person, you know, I'm good at relating to people because they know where I was. And they see so where I am now. transparency is yes. so key. You know, so I, I've had a lot of people that were shut down and kind of isolated that once they see that they're not alone, they're like, oh, wait a minute, I can relate to this. Mm-hmm. And then they start opening up. And yeah. that's, you know, once somebody opens up, I think you can get to the root Confession of it. Confession and, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Confession is the beginning. Yeah. Obviously, first to God. And I'm even thinking about people that maybe fill the pews every Sunday. Maybe they're struggling with it and don't know what to do with it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not laughing at anybody <laughs> if they are. It's just uh I think when people walk into the doors of the church sometimes they put themselves on a pedestal 
And, you know, not everybody's like that. I've been to numerous of churches and I've seen it all. Yeah. And, you know, as, even as far as knowing somebody's situation and to see how they present themselves in front of the church, they're not the same person. And I think a lot of us deal with that. I deal with that sometimes. Yeah. You know, I try to walk by my faith and I try to live by my faith, but I'm human. I still make mistakes yeah. too. And I think that's the thing is every person that walks in the church has struggle. They do. It's a hospital. Um, it's a place to come and get help. And I think so often we think we have to perform and make people believe that we have it all together when in fact... That's Some of those people are the most broken. Absolutely. So this is a great place to come and have family, to be able to be transparent and be able to have family, community, transparency. The enemy is going to do everything he can to talk us into not telling anyone. But if we can find one person that we can trust, God in one person, and then that begins the journey. Um, And we're always here on Mondays at 630, and we just celebrate what God's done in your life. Because you showed up, right, and kept showing up, and um, now he's given you a ministry, and just grateful that God has allowed our paths to cross, and that we can do ministry together, Mm -hmm. and I just wanted this community to hear that there's some really good things happening in the midst of a dark world. God is at work, and he's doing the work. He just asks us to plant seeds and um, be committed to him, be surrendered to him, and he will make all things right. Nathan, thank you for joining us today on Hope Talks. It's been great to have you. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that as you've heard uh, Nathan Carr share, that it's been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates in the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.